Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell. Well, Dennis, it's uh, great to be with you once again. And, of course, since we spoke last week, well, there's even less sport going on across Australia with now the borders even shut. So, unfortunately, uh, I don't even think we, when we spoke to Dennis Lander and said, well, professional club runs, uh, professional promoted speedway was obviously packing up shop, but now we've even got the club run circuits that aren't going to be able to uh, continue, which is a great shame. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, a directive from Speedway Australia only yesterday uh, has indicated that that uh, club run tracks, even practice days, are now not allowed. And and just on an international level, uh, yesterday uh, the FIM have uh, issued a notice that the uh, very prestigious Speedway of Nations, the, the bike tournament, uh, has also now gone under and been postponed. That is the two rounds... Uh, uh, one in Germany and one in Latvia, and also the grand final of the Speedway of Nations at the National Speedway Museum of uh, Museum National Speedway Stadium, bigger part um, at Bellevue, Manchester, has also gone under. So that is a major event. And um, as recently as this morning, a a press release from the British Speedway Promoters Association indicates they are not going to look at anything until the earliest, June 15. Also applicable too is uh, World of Outlaws. They're looking into May and, and of course, right across the board, all sporting events and, and all gatherings, all public events, everything we all know only too well, everything's uh, on hold. Yep, it is indeed. Dennis, it's a, a tough time for everyone in sport and particularly for our, uh, well, our loved motorsport. A lot of motorsport, though, is going online, and that will be something that we can, uh, well, see if Speedway, if maybe World of Outlaws start getting the simulators out and having rounds there. But we'll keep people abreast of all that. Today, Johnny Fenton joins us on the show, which will be absolutely fantastic. He uh, is always good for a story or two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, John's a great character, a great driver in his in the payday back in the day, and and a, and a wonderful personality. I have vivid memories of him coming over to Sydney uh, a year or so back for a presentation night with the New South Wales Mini Speedcar Association, and it was a just a fabulous night of entertainment. And um, so, as I said, I'm I'm looking forward to speaking with John a little later in the program. Well, John Fenton, up after the break. It is indeed a pleasure to cross the country, although we can't do it in a car because the borders are closed. We are going to do it over the phone. And Johnny Fenton joins us, the two-time Australian speed car champion. And what was it, about six times Western Australian speed car champion, John? Seven. Oh, sorry. My apologies. (laughs) I do know that you are the uh, the track legend of Claremont Speedway with the most victories there yeah it it is a um, wonderful thought to hang on to those memories 
59 feature wins at Claremont Speedway. It was really, it was tough. It was never easy, as, as you probably know with racing. Um, but the, when the going gets tough, the tough you've got to get going. Dennis Newland here, John. How are you, John? I know you, young Dennis, yeah. <laughs> John, your two uh, national title wins, uh, one was on the pavement at Liverpool, which was, to this day, you're the only man to win an Australian championship uh, on a different surface uh, as far as either dirt or, or clay, and you, you won it on the pavement. And you won it also the year before at Rowley Park. Two totally different uh, feelings of satisfaction with an Australian title. But if I could ask you, which one of the two stands out the most? Oh, well, probably definitely the, the Liverpool Speedway one because it was the on the pavement, asphalt, whatever you want to be. As the Kiwis would say, it was on the tar seal. Um, but that's the, way, that's the way it goes, you know. It was a hard challenge. Um, going there, and I had a fair bit of success on the asphalt circuit anyway, we'd won a few future races on it, and uh, it, it was really good, it was a real big challenge, obviously, and we were up against the best, I reckon, around the country at that time, um, so we're all there for it, we all gave it our best shot, and uh, yes, I was certainly happy and proud to win that event. And it wasn't a Saturday night meeting, it had been washed out, it was a Sunday afternoon. Well, it was. It, um, we were lucky, actually, that it did rain out because we, in the hot lap session, we broke a crankshaft in the Volkswagen at the time. That, that broke, and luckily I had another engine at the um, airport at that time. We had sponsorship with Ansett Airlines, and I had a spare engine, and that was out the airport. And uh, myself and a young fellow called Ross Nickerson, we um, shot into town and uh, picked up the engine, came back, and that night... Um, the crew, Tony Bartlett, Bill Watson, Alex Gander, those guys got together and put the engine uh, together in the, uh, the finally assembled bit of it. Uh, all of Timmy Stewart at the um, El Toro Motel, I did it in the room. And then we yeah. put the car in the driveway and went out and had the success. And it was a, it was a really good engine. Yeah, so every cloud has a silver lining. The saying is never, never more appropriate, John. Well, we were just, you know, you can have luck and bad luck, and there was a fair bit of it, you know, we were done. And that uh, used to put it back together and and get the job done. Yeah, John, John, you, um, uh, as Craig said, uh, were were certainly a big name around Claremont Speedway getting towards the late 60s. Now, you then decided to, in those days, the Craven Fielder National Speedcar Drivers Championship, and that fabulous Holden, the Bartlett Holden, uh, the, the blue the blue and white number seven car, beautiful car for its era, um, you decided to uh, go on the national championship trail. What were your impressions? And firstly, why did you want to do that? Obviously, the East Coast at the time was pretty, pretty much a, a very strong speed car area with a lot of good cars and drivers, often houses, very good equipment, etc., um, what did you see in it, John, that think, i gotta, I got to be a part of this? <laughs> well, the, the, the big thrill was to get to the Sydney showground. I mean, that was where I always wanted to go being a kid, and we got to do it. Uh, you had to qualify to travel, and, and in those days, the Nullarbor crossing was all on dirt, which we did, and got across. It used to start at a place called uh, 
Caledonia and go through to Sejuna, which was some jump quite some big distance. Probably today is probably sixteen hours drive um, on asphalt, but uh, we had to adapt to the dirt, crossing the mother ball, and get the job done. And it was uh, a very exciting moment to get the honour to, to represent Western Australia, and we did quite well there in our first year. I finished, I think, seventh in the overall. Um, two of that year and then second the year after. What was uh, your impression what was your first impression of, of seeing the Sydney showground and when they pushed your car with you behind the wheel out onto the track? Was it like you you're at the Mecca? <laughs> <laughs> Good on you then. It was look the thing about the Sydney showground, it was narrow, you know? You know, it reminded of your crossing the mullerball when the when the shine shed road narrowed. <laughs> <laughs> Narrow it all right. Particularly going into yeah. the, the back straight out of the pocket. <laughs> yeah, I guess we got practice doing that, but uh, it was a, a great honour to get over there and do the job with them. Uh, it, it, you know, what can you say, Dennis? If anyone knows anything about the showground, I would refer it to you. <laughs> yes, well, it holds great memories, I think, for myself and a lot of our listeners around our era. And and it was a it was a fabulous time. There's there's no question of that. And and I mean, John, you 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 set the benchmark pretty high because after that you you came back again each season and and you ultimately, if I remember correctly, here um, in the nineteen seventy seventy one season, filled a, a major a really I think you finished second or third, I think, off memory in the uh, the national it's championship. Different. Yes, and and, and Ronald. That's right, and and that just tell me about that race on that night in torrential rain. Well, as it was, we'd um, done a bit of a mixture with fuel, learning a bit about some of the Sydney siders that explained to us what to do with nitro. And I think all we did was setting fire to everyone else because we had plenty of that working for us. Sid Middlemas had a few laughs with me about it. He knew what we were up to to have a (laughs) shot at it. It it, it was it was there, but. the, you know the way it rained and everything went wrong. It uh, it just wasn't there to do the job, and we finished up having to see it out on the infield. But there was enough points rolled together to get us keep us in second place. So at that time we were scoring points at every round, and that's all you had to do was keep at it. But we had to sit it out on the grass in the end. John, you you raced at so many tracks. Did you ever total up how many race tracks across Australia? And New Zealand, of course, that you actually raced yeah. at? No, I've never, ever bothered to take that time. But I was, you know, we went on just about all the tracks across Australia. Um, I used to enjoy going to, to the Sydney showground, Dennis, you know, and going to um, Rolly Park, of course, and the Brisbane Exhibition Grounds, going up there to tackle the Queenslanders. They, we went up there with one year for a 40-lap race, and we... I think they extended it to 100 and we all ran out of fuel. And that probably went in the favour of Bob Morgan, who I think went on and won the championship that year. You, from, uh, Blair you of course, you know, in all seriousness, you did win a posted 100 lapper up at the Echo. I did. I did, yeah. I um, went up there with a, a special crew that time and was with Noel Bradford and Ross Nickerson with my crew and unfortunately Noel Bradford passed away 
um, just a few uh, days back, and the funeral was on Monday, which coincided actually with my birthday, but I, I couldn't go to the uh, funeral. The doctors had advised me it wasn't the right thing to do, and it was all restricted to 25 people then. But um, he was a great guy to do it. Do it with and help us with the 100 lapper, and we, we got the job done, and so um, it the memory comes back strong now when we were talking to different ones about what times I did was around the place with Noel. Um, John, you've had some incredible highs in your career, but I just want to take you back to February 1971 again. Um, the incredible high of, of finishing second in the Craven Field National Speedcar Drivers Championship on your return to Perth things turned pretty serious for all the wrong reasons. Tell us about it, John. Well, we were using roll cages we just been introduced. And when you put the roll cage in the car, which I had fitted to the car, and we didn't use it everywhere we went, but it was done. The biggest thing that caught me out the bad was the safety harness. You put it on the five-point safety harness when uh, you had the roll cage, and when the roll cage was taken off the way back to the car, Claremont Freeway, uh, the safety harness was still the same. So when I uh, kept the wheel of another competitor and rolled, you, there was no duck in your head. You just had to take it with you, which was a good idea at the time, you know. And then it got uh, did a fair bit of damage. That's why I've got excuses for things I do wrong. You know, I've had uh, <laughs> head injuries. <laughs> I tell you, John. Honestly, uh, you, you were you were hanging in there by a thread for about the first forty-eight, seventy-two hours. Oh, well, yeah, it was pretty serious. Um, it was. Yeah. Well, I spent ten days unconscious then, and eventually um, came to, and I didn't remember anything. I didn't know where I was. I broke my jaw, and when I saw this guy in the mirror. I didn't even know him, and I had to get somebody to explain who it was. I thought, what's going on here? Who's he? To your eternal great credit, you came back, and as I said, uh, your, your best years were were still to follow, and, and that's a tremendous... What... what did you learn out of all of that terrible experience that took you? And why were you so successful, John, after something like that? Well, that's one that only comes from within yourself, what your goal is that you want to do. And I always wanted to to win with what I did. And, and the uh, speed car was my fantasy. I just absolutely loved it. I always wanted to race a car black with the big gold number seven on it. And we achieved that. Goal, you know, and you, uh, but I wanted to give it my best shot. And obviously, in those days, always started from the rear of the field and had to work your way through the traffic. And we had more cars racing because budgets were different then. And it just means everything was lucky to flow with what was available. You could get sponsorship, which is very difficult today, and probably will get a lot harder now. But it's it, it just your goals of what you want to do and what you think you can do with it. And, we were lucky that with the with the Holden and then the Tesco and the Volkswagen. That was the best thing. I love that race car. 
I just want to talk about firstly that the Holden, the the, the Bartlett car, the, the white and blue number seven. Uh, you 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 really put a lot of work and time, and you had the best of everything in that car, John. And and when you brought it over from Perth, it it, it fitted in perfectly with with the standard of equipment over on the east coast of Australia. I mean, you you had the best of everything in that car. Well, we made the car ourselves. Actually, a guy called Molly Neal, who um, uh, had a guy, uh, Matt McDonald, raced for him. He had, uh, and he quit the drive with him. And Wally uh, told me all, all the pieces that he had for speed cars. And I was originally going to rebuild another super modified. And a guy called Terry Rose was over from New Zealand with his brother, Danny, still in Australia. And they took me into the speed car. Oh, you've got to build the speed car. So we changed our mind and built the speed car and then it worked out. We had the whole engine and despite uh, rumours, it was a 149 Holden. It was never a 179 or a 202 as it turned out to be. And we redid the motor with Tony Bartlett who did a brilliant job with all that, that engineering side of it. Turned it into the race car into what it was and that's how it all happened. But we made the thing in the garage then. We're doing a bit of welding and doing this and that as you had to do in those days. And did it on the limited amount of plants that was available and finished up with that car. It was really a good car. It got a good result. And then, of course, John, too, you went on to some pretty significant successes driving sprint cars, not not only just confined your career to midgets, but you, you uh, were a pretty handy sprint car driver in your day as well. Well, you know, with the... But the change in the sprint car division went down a little bit, probably a lot, I should say, but sprint cars started to roll. And when Bob Trussell was in Australia, I was involved in a little bit with that uh, import that happened at the time, and we finished up getting a few sprint cars out of that, and the fields were in a bad way, and finished up starting to run them. And uh, one thing leads to another, and yeah, yeah, we won quite a few feature races with it, including the Northern Territory sprint car. Championship, which I won for Sid Moore, who when I was in hospital a while back in um, two years ago, uh, I was at uh, Westmead Hospital and walking around in there. I walk into Sid Moore. I said, well, "What are you doing here?" He said, "I'm coming to see you." Because <laughs> I was in there for 19 days, 11 hours, and 32 minutes. You know, yeah, you're yeah. Right idea. <laughs> you, you got the exact time there, John. <laughs> well, it was different in. Um, uh, Perth, I was in for five weeks, two days, 11 hours, and 21 minutes. Right, so right. Just to give you a rough idea of what it takes, you know? <laughs> John, um, you, you, you've tried your hand and you've been involved with not only the racing side of it, you've also been a promoter as well. Um, not only Speedway, but uh, the the motocross. Uh, how, how, how did all this come about, John? You know, you're, you you know, you you've diversified in a number of dif- different areas over the years. Well, unfortunately, we got involved with the promotion of the Speedway at Bunbury, and it, it's a, look, promoting is a real tough game, and uh, it could cost you a lot of money, which it did. But that's life. You, you know, I don't think I'd change any of it because I learned so much. But uh, you would like to think you could have taken a few other directions because that was in the end the demise of myself being able to um, race and get finished. And that hurt me a lot because I was only 35 then. And uh, that was, it was all over. But promoting is a tough job. 
it really is. You need everything to work for you, including the weather. And uh, the competitors have all got their dreams, which we all have, but it's all got to work in the circle of promoting and how we've all got to look after sponsors and the crowds have got to be looked after and it's a really tough game. Uh, I've enjoyed some good stuff with promoters, Mike Raymond, Con Migro, George Turbot in New Zealand. We loved going over there to race. And I went a lot of times with the drivers from New South Wales. How did you get into motocross promoting? Well, my boys were involved with racing uh, motocross and um, they, Tony and Kevin, and uh, we were um, tied up a lot with motocross people over here, which at that time was Rob Leask and Jeff Leask's son, who turned out to be a um, you know, near enough to a world champion. He got second in it, going to Europe. And we just were all uh, ways involved with racing. A lot of my mates that raced the streetcar through that time, we, um, they all had young boys and wouldn't get involved with it. And then uh, you, I went with Blair Shepherd when he did that Super Bowl of Motocross at uh, the Sydney Showground. The station was there. I saw all that. And we had the... The Bunbridge Speedway, and I thought, now this is a real crowd full of this. has got a chance of uh, a good survival. And um, we put that together and I followed it for some time. Eventually, the plane gets a bit hard, but I was over in the east, and one of my brother in laws at the time, Jimmy Shone, he, um, uh, and I were sitting there, and he talked me into going back doing Supercross up the east coast of Australia, which we did for a long time, for probably eight or nine years. And uh, it was quite successful till the end. The old mighty weather wasn't that kind, and sponsorship became tougher. And you could eventually use up a lot of that finance you've got. And it's just it's a tough game. You need to be making money from somewhere else to be able to promote it. You don't need to do that and treat it all as a hobby. Now, John Fenton joining us here on Inside Speedway. And John, you said you retired at. 35, but you're one of the few races of your era that started quite early because you started in go-karts. I did. I was about 12 or 14 then when go-karts first came out. And uh, my dad and I got together and he helped me build the go-kart. It was a great lot of fun. And at that time, it was just club racing and I won the Hurricane Go-Kart Championship uh, and then got out of that and went on to do, it, to do a bit of hot rod racing and then that sort of fell apart and things changed. And that's when the, suddenly the turn was when I came back. I uh, had, a, had a passion for the speed car and uh, that's what happened when Kerry Rowe showed up. We were lucky when I was knowing Kerry so well. I went to New Zealand this summer going and stayed with us and it was a really good, it was really wonderful over there. They're doing a great job, but they like everything. It's tough. Mm, yeah, it is indeed. And one thing that fascinates me, uh, John, and I'm hoping you've got the answer, is why is Western Australia such a breeding ground for great for great drivers? It has, over the years, just produced an amazing array, particularly in the speed car division. But even if we look at current times, where there are so many sprint car team owners that are all based out of WA? Well, WA is the place. I mean, we're lucky we're separated from the East. 
And look, you've got to remember the wise tale that there were three wise men. And they all came from the east. They all left over there. They're gone. So they're out west. And that's why we've got this added talent here, everything we do with the likes of Jeff Leach, motocross, speed car driver, uh, speed car driver Ron Cricky, Alf Abigallo, the great Noel Bradford. You know, they're all out there. Speed cars, Michael Figlamini. Um, you know, the list can go off from Western Australia. Graham Jones, look at the effort that guy puts in this freeway. Wonderful. So some great competitors come from over here. And it's the clean air and the fact that we drink the right product. <laughs> only, only John Fenton could describe it like that. <laughs> well, our new product is Iron Jack, you know. Yeah, I won't go into that. that. <laughs> well, that keeps your iron levels right. Yeah, right. <laughs> John, um, um, a couple of years ago, your your health uh, was a great concern to all of us because you did have a, a very serious heart attack and. And it was a tough road back, John, but you, you've got that WA fighting spirit, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like your spirit of the Sydney showground, Dennis, and I get that in the back of my head, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got it. But I, look, it's just what you all put your effort in to make it happen. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. got to fight on, and we're going into tough times, but we've all just got to we'll all work together around the place. Stick it in, and we're going to be. It'll be real good, really. Yeah, yeah. Just, just tell us a little bit. You're out of Decent Creek, if I remember rightly, John. When, when you were struck down, you said you had a pain in the chest, and you're walking down to the the pit entry lane, and the next thing you're in an ambulance. Well, I was carrying my grandson's um, Nick Rowe, his helmet down to the starting grid, and I got along very good with AGI over there. The most sports people. Uh, always went over where Nick was going. I used to help drive their transporter through that time, and I'd had this. I didn't know it was a heart attack. I just thought I, I wasn't that well, and I'd had a bit of trouble with, uh, with it over the last month before that. And when I was down at the racetrack with Nick, I um, carried his helmet down to the starting point at Eastern Creek there, and Nick was getting ready to go out to qualify, and uh, he looked and there's his granddad, he does a band down quicker than knowing me row on the midday show and the helmet went flying in the air and I'm on the deck and Nick's thinking, what's wrong with him? So all I remember is I woke up later in the ambulance room at the track and uh, I'd been gone for two and a half minutes and they'd given me CPR and what they do and got you going again and then I was on my way to hospital. I said, oh, I've got to stay to watch this, you know, not qualified. <laughs> You're going nowhere, mate. <laughs> You're with us. So we're in the ambulance and off to Westmead. And that's where we did that 19 days we were in there. And people were absolutely wonderful, mate. And the amount of people that sent me stuff from New South Wales and came to see me, like the Graham family and uh, Kid Moore, as I said, the great Kid Hoppy. I mean, you couldn't believe all these things, you know? Um, Jeff Fletcher and Pussy, all these guys are great mates over there. Cool. Well, we Max Dungeon, you know, what are you going to do? I just was absolutely overwhelmed with the support that I got from Speedway and from road racing. And I tell you what, John, that support also was typified a year a year back when you were the guest of honour at the New South Wales Vintage Speed Car Association presentation dinner. 
it was a wonderful night. It, it was one of the best nights I've ever been to. And, <laughs> and, and you laid them in your aisles, in the aisles, John, with your one-liners and your jokes, okay? And, and, and I said right there and then, and I think I wrote it somewhere in a story uh, soon after, that if, if you ever decided to go on the road as a comedian, a one-man entertainer, you, you've got all the tricks, you've got all the jokes, you've got all the one-liners. <laughs> And people are still yeah, talking hang about on, hang on. You make your overdrawn a little bit, Well, well, people are still talking about the night. How good it was. <laughs> well, I had a ball. And look, New South Wales was a great time for racing. I mean, we we were lucky to go and run at all those tracks and have the sponsorship we had with Antet Airlines to get across the country and. You know, the teams that were available that would help you make things happen. And the competition was here. Look, look at the fun we had with George Statt, old Ronald McKay, great Bobby Morgan, Blair Shepherd. We had a ball, Ronnie Warren, one of us. I had a ball with that guy. And the tourist in New Zealand, how can you beat that? I went there seven times. Yeah. And I think, too, and I, I think too, John, that camaraderie and, and, and all you blokes, you know, there's still that great bond there, isn't there? Friendship, and it's wonderful to see you blokes when you all catch up. I mean, it, it is it is great camaraderie here, John. <laughs> like you do, you always come up with the right stuff. But everybody loves the sport. We were a great part of all that good time that we had. Look, Howard Ravelli, I had some good racing with that guy, and anyone that Barry Pinchbeck, all that wherever we went, going to. South Australia was terrific. I got some good mates still today all around Australia. That wherever you go, I recently just went to the Australian Championship at Warrnambool. We had a ball there, really good. But Barry Graham, and there's a guy that couldn't do enough for speed cars. Brilliant. What he does down there, trying to put it all together, it's really good. Now, Stephen, Stephen Graham, Jamie McKinley, some of the great friends that I've got. It's so good. That's what I was going to talk to you about next, John. You, you, uh, well, you did probably get a little bit of a crook neck looking behind, but you have been looking forward and looking at what Speedway is today. What's your thoughts on where it's at and where it has gone since you got out of the seat? Well, it, like then, it needed money and it needs more now. Money, it's so hard because competitors, the stuff that we can get, Available, um, and us dealing probably with America makes it makes it tough. But look at the dollar at the moment; it's taken a bit of a hounding again. And it's an expensive sport, but all part of racing racing is expensive. No matter what you're doing, it is nothing's cheap. Where we can build it up the old holding and get it going and make those things happen. But today, that's all gone. You've got to buy a sophisticated engine, have it dynoed, and do it all properly, which is money. And the, there's probably a thousand or more competitors out there that can do a better job than what some guys are doing, but they haven't got that financial money that you need. It's just so expensive. We're not involved with young Nick racing for the Formula uh, 4 that he was doing. The amount of money that people were having to spend to keep that young uh, was incredible. He was very lucky that he was sponsored by, with AGI and had, had the cars and they that they could do the job with Nick and he was successful. But look, money is what rules the whole lot. It's so tough. Is the racing better or worse now, Johnny? Well, you 
couldn't get better racing than what we had. Our racing was awesome. Look at it down at Warrnambool. Um, what a great race. It's very sad for those guys to have those uh, accidents that they had, which caused them to have to go and get um, the ambulance back out there and delays that happened. But look, that's the luck of the game. And aren't we lucky that we can just grab another ambulance and go, years ago, it would just be the first aid guy there with the Gladstone bag and a couple of little bits and pieces in it to get you going. But now, now today, everyone's a lot wiser and we can, you know, keep us all together. Health-wise, I know I really what they've done for me is incredible. Just to catch you up and get you going, and like today, I'm made up of bits and pieces with defibrillators and different tech techs you've got to have all the time. Don't walk here, don't walk there. <laughs> you download your heartbeat to the computer and all that sort of stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to well, put that in. I've got to keep iron levels right, you know, with that iron back, <laughs> John. It is an absolute pleasure. I'm sure there's uh, plenty more stories that Dennis could go into, but uh, we are out of time this time round. But it's been a pleasure having you here on Inside Speedway with us. Craig, I really appreciate it. The very best to you all over there. You're great people, and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And I hope I didn't talk a lot of crap and that you were happy with what we did. (laughs) Oh, John. It's always great to, seriously, it's always great to talk to you, John. And, and it's wonderful to catch up again and, and, and take care in the future. Stay, stay healthy and, and certainly look after yourself. Thank you, Dennis. And I'm sorry to hear the showground is closed. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking it pretty tough at the moment, John. I've got to tell you. <laughs> Good man, mate. Love talking to you guys. Love it. Thank you so much, mate. Thanks, All John. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. Well, Dennis, we we could have gone a lot longer with John Fenton, but uh, unfortunately our time is getting away and, well, we'll save the other stories for another day. Uh, Yes, we'll have to to do it in the past. One, two, three, four, five, and onward, I think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he, he could certainly take a Speedway Classics magazine all to himself, couldn't he? He could, <laughs> and that's not a bad idea either, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned at the top of the show about the Speedway uh, Speedway uh, Cup of Nations. Uh, not the Speedway of Nations. Speedway of Nations. Yeah, and yep. just for the people who aren't right across the, uh, the solos, as we like to call them, you have the World Cup, which is, of course, a, a four, but it's really a six-man team from each country. And yep. then you have the individual, the world, well, yep. it used to be the World Finals, but now is the Speedway Grand Prix. And then yep. this uh, Speedway of Nations only started about, what, two years ago now, and it's yeah. pairs racing. And it, if, if you've yeah. never seen pairs racing, then you really need to go and jump online because yeah. it involves... Normally, you, you top two Australians, you top two Poles, and then they normally slip in an under-21 rider as the reserve in case of, a, you know, mechanical reserve, if you like, or an injury reserve. And yeah. uh, it's a great opportunity to see, you know, the two supreme riders from your country and then the best young yeah. guy. Yes. Well, it, it's basically now the equivalent of the World Team Cup. The Speedway of Nations uh, for team events is, is now the... The premier event, really, and and um, look, it, it brings together a host of nations, some very strong ones, and not so strong ones, but it's a great representation 
of the world of solo racing. And uh, so it's a pretty prominent thing. Now, also, too, uh, you just mentioned about the, uh, the Speedway Grand Prix, which is the individual World Senior Speedway Bike Championship. Well, that has also been postponed the opening round, and they're looking at uh, May to have another uh, consideration for when that might be run. So, so for people who may not be aware of these latest developments, there's more out of the bike scene than anywhere else in the last 24 hours. And um, I guess it's just, Craig, so indicative of what's happening around the world at the moment. Yeah, it is indeed. Dennis, we'll be back next week here on Inside Speedway. Yep, always uh, enjoying the show. It's, um, it's great to be a part of it, uh, Craig, and I look forward to next week. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.